0: Hello and welcome to another episode. Uh so today's another journey into the mind that hopes to provide you something to contemplate. Uh but yeah, this this episode had been delayed um and it was almost going to be delayed again as I have been kind of under the weather, but I really wanted to get this episode out, so I'm kind of toughing it out. So sorry in advance if I sound a little <laughs> funny this week or or not my normal self, but uh yeah. But as always, thank you for your support on this kind of mind exploration journey I've been taking. I truly appreciate the support and your kind words that I get that of people enjoying my content, enjoying my episodes. Um and yeah, and, and a quick announcement, check out the link below for the Substack. That's where the main location of the new bonus episode feed and just the bonus content in general. Um, it's just a more seamless system because now I kind of usually feature the regular episode on the bonus episode feed. So it's all in one place for people that sign up for that. That includes, you know, the audio version of that bonus content. Cause I also do, I also create it into a written format and edit it up. So it's, a, you know, it's easier read for the same type of content. Cause I like to play with formats and presenting content with, with different formats such as writing and speaking. So if you want to check that out, if you like where, what, what I do and all that stuff and you want to help me in more tangible ways, uh, you can check out that link below. I really do appreciate it. But please know, you know, um, yeah, so this week is, has, has, a, has a common theme around mental health and relating these issues to the problem of consciousness and the influences of society. So, which is why I called it the dark matter of psychiatry and talking about the P-factor and kind of also getting a little bit personal as well. So, yeah, let's enough of that, and let's enter the labyrinth. Try to catch me howling at the moon. Okay, so, my dark matter. The algorithmic reinforcement of the self is kind of what I've been feeling lately. I've, I've had a lot of thoughts on this lately, more like jumbled mess of incoherent nonsense. And I knew I wanted to get some thoughts out about this. And many of you know this, but I've been fascinated by the various groupings our society creates. It's been my obsession for the past few years. The structures that we build as a society and then create the strong influence on our, on our inner subjective experience, you know, our consciousness. And these social structures from religion, corporations, philosophical ideologies, and, and political groupings, they influence our perception ...of reality. Thus, they influence our own inner well-being, the perception we have of ourselves, right? So an influence on our sense of self, essentially. And that sense of self influences our own mental well-being and ability to deal with mental concerns. So where do these groups come from? How do they form? What do they believe in? What role does myth play in all of that, all of those questions, all those wonderings, Right. The questions are endless. I mean, you can, you can ask questions forever and never answer anything, right? <laughs> or try to answer anything. But lately, I've become more enthralled by this phenomenon. I seem to get this way during my depressive episodes as as these rushes of emotions pull me inward into my own internal abyss where I tend to always end up asking, what is this place? Why do I feel this way? Why does it feel like a place in your mind that you get sucked into, Right. And this is where we're going to apply it to this P factor thing I've been talking about. So how can we better define this abyss that we all have to some extent in us? Pretty uncontroversial statement, I feel like. A lot of people, you know, if they've had any existential thoughts, they'll, they'll admit like, yes, there's an abyss within all of us. And part of me sees this pull to create an identity about myself as a coping mechanism, Right. I became faced with the dilemma of creating identity for myself, but not doing or not being too attached to said identity. As when the attachment becomes too strong, I begin feeling the pull to defend said identity, right? And I don't want to do that. I don't always want to do that. This defense of yourself is important though. So there's a flip side. Sometimes it must be in doses. I think that's the key. So if you never defend yourself, you allow yourself to be pressured and consumed by everything. So we must recognize our psychological defense mechanisms and play this inward game, a game where we must facilitate our own understanding in order to, to find a, a, a mental balance of sanity. As identity is important for creating our sense of purpose, our place here, and our tether to this existence. Without these mechanisms, we can more easily become lost, yet it doesn't change the existential angst one feels when trying to determine how much defending is necessary for your own sanity. So it's about finding yourself, but not, 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 not doing it so much that you're finding yourself for the sake of finding yourself. So after, after going down the rabbit hole, you come to the question of, well, okay, I'm talking about all this stuff, my identity and all this, but what is the self? What is What is that thing? What is that thing I'm imagining? <laughs> and no amount of Soren Kierkegaard and David Hume will help me, me solve that question. But why does this question even matter? That's the next question. Why, what is the purpose of this question? Well, I think the question of the self is an understanding that develops your meaning making mechanisms, your purpose. Without purpose, we become lost. So as I speak about this, I think about the mental punishment I face with my own content creation. Right, where I put my put my thoughts out there, read my or listen and read my stuff back, and spiral into this kind of hatred for the abomination of that which is my own expression. Right, and you shouldn't do that. But why? Why? Why can't you know? I, I I get away from this feeling. Why? But you shouldn't care what others think of of the way you express yourself. Right? No, bullshit. It's about a relationship with the listener. One with me and the other being new people. I already know how I relate to myself. I am myself. I create these words, this character of expression, with the hopes that others can find value in my own kind of relation to myself. So the thoughts of others matter to me simply because I find value in them. Thus, I value the thoughts of others. So it's these depressive episodes that create the identity crisis, which then typically creates a valuable insight for myself. There's like a lesson there, even, even in the low points. And this is where I found my own kind of internal peace with these low moments because depression is not sadness. When sadness hits, all I can think about is the event or moment that my mind fixates on as the cause of that sadness. My mind is able to easily make sense of it. With the ability to make sense of it comes the ability to cope with the occurrence and find a balanced peace again. So a depressive episode, though, that's numbness. The numbness is where my mind becomes scrambled with the moments of understanding that if I do X, Y, and Z, I will feel better. But with the numbness comes the complete lack of will. So I have the knowledge that X, Y, and Z will will be good for me. Yet my mind is suppressed into this this prison that at times feels inescapable. So with the lack of will, you have a lack of desire, and without the desire, the things you know you ought to do become out of the question until they are not right. So sometimes I come to this kind of simplistic notion of, well, why the fuck are you trying to take yourself so seriously? That's what it feels like sometimes in those depressive episodes, like I'm just trying to take myself too seriously. Fair enough. I wonder about this almost every day. And on the other days, I wonder why I don't take myself seriously enough. But part of my motivation for saying these thoughts this week is to let those know who face times of mental trouble, you're not alone. And sometimes that can become the worst feeling, the perception of being alone in your mental battles. And I assure you, you're not, right? But I have another motivation. And the P factors give me clarity about these confusions and low points and stuff. So let's talk about kind of this seed of suffering, I'll call it. So I read this wonderful article on a entitled The Seed of Suffering, which caught my attention for obvious reasons. So I recommend you all check out check it out, and I'll have the link below, as I'm going to add my takeaways. However, the article provides their own kind of personal struggle with mental health, so I think that's also important to read about, read about other people's struggles, very human, right? The subtitle partially sums up why I'm fascinated by this concept of the P-factor. The P-factor, and I quote, the P-factor is the dark matter of psychiatry, an invisible unifying force that might lie behind a multitude of mental disorders, close quote. So I'm intrigued as it's, it's, it's a common criticism of psychiatry in the field of psychology that many mental health disorders are hard to distinguish as for classifying disorders with a multitude of factors that cause them. So this creates a vague threshold for diagnosis. So the consequence is the difficulty of finding treatment for said patients. However, this is where I found it interesting. I'm not surprised by this difficulty at all, at all. As the difficulty in classifying mental health problems largely extends from the mystery we have around consciousness. And let me explain that. So with regards to mental health and the, and the, and the conscious experience, we have to rely on first-person experience. Not, that's not a hot take at all. It's just fact, which inherently comes with a subjective bias. So this forces us to rely on us describing our experience and reporting of the mental states. And a reporting primed with an an exactness and full of subjective interpretation from the patient, that's just going to happen. Same with the the doctor because they're taking in their own experience of what the person is describing as their experience. So it creates this, this ball of just subjective interpretation. And history tells us the descriptive reports of us humans is riddled with potential error. So I'm saying all this because I find it important in the field of psychology or that the field of psychology works more hand in hand with the conversations around consciousness. That's the puzzle. Our conscious experience. That's a fundamental mystery that needs understanding in order for us to better understand the mental battles people face. Now, part of this is a conversation for another day because uh, I don't want to have like this big comment on <laughs> consciousness in this episode because we don't have time. But the common narrative followed in Western medicine is seeing a rise in, in say, uh, suicide rates. And then thinking it's time for new depression pills. There's a disconnect there, right? How are we getting at the root of the problem by doing that? We're not. We're not. We are failing miserably. Understanding the experience of consciousness and the origins of suffering, that creates the extrusionating turmoil people face. That's the key. So instead of purely seeing mental concerns as inner, you know, wiring that needs to be fixed only in pill form, we should give more focus on the external factors that influence people's perception of their own mental well-being. So instead of here, take these pills, maybe we should consider how many are overworked being crushed by, by student debt can't afford the doctor they're seeing for their, their mental health are, are underpaid at their work. And barely able to afford to put food on the table for their family? What about those factors that do something to your consciousness? They're constantly, it's constantly penetrating your internal experience. Those external experiences are. The environment. So on top of that, the environment people grow up in and the current conditions they face that might be causing continued trauma and unjustifiable suffering. I'm going to apply this all to this P factor thing I keep alluding to. So what systems do we have in place? that are influencing our reality. And we have a reality influence. We're directly talking about how we experience consciousness. That's the key. It's all gets down to how are we experiencing consciousness and how are things affecting our consciousness and what, what lies underneath the consciousness that is creating these mental responses that are difficult for people that are traumatic for people. Right? Okay. So the P factor, I'm going to, Use a quote from that article that sums this up beautifully. The P factor. I quote, There's an alternative approach. A growing trope of scientists think that focusing on one or two diagnoses in a study, as is common in psychiatric research, has meant that the true nature of mental disorders remains hidden. To understand what are essentially brain disorders, they argue you have to zoom out. Considering the whole spectra of psychiatric possibility reviews, similarities, and symptoms, brain circuitry and genetics, Shaking off the shackles of diagnostic classification, there's growing evidence that all mental disorders are actually the product of a single underlying dimension, a common liability for psychopathology known as the P factor. This theoretical concept brings the potential for important new ways to treat and prevent psychiatric disorders, close quote. And one more to kind of set the stage for this. I quote, in the case of mental disorders, they added a positive correlation between symptoms can be explained by a similar web of interconnections without recourse to a P-factor. One symptom leads to another. A blossom of anxiety releases the seeds of, of substance use disorder for depression. The common experience of guilt in depression creates the fertile soil for paranoia or psychosis, close quote. So it's this interconnection of all of these mental health issues. That is fascinating to me because they're trying to say, wait, there's something foundational that's happening, something that we experience. And it seems so obvious, but it's this P-factor idea that, that really fascinated me by how it can apply to philosophy as well. So my takeaway is the P-factor is this, this force that exists in all of us. It is influenced by Everything from external forces and our own internal abyss, a factor that is beholden by a multitude of influences from genetics, our environment, and the mystery ball of consciousness. But this brought me to a thought on the nihilistic void that I believe exists in all of us, that abyss. And I see that perception of our own internal abyss as, as interconnected with this concept of a P factor Is that pull, that pull we feel into meaninglessness, where we lose sight of our sense of reality, our purpose, and our sense of meaning, that's a place that is ripe with suffering, potential suffering. It bends like that. When we fall far enough into our own inner darkness, that same fertile soil for paranoia and psychosis can be found. It's that place. It's that experience. That point of being. Both the P factor and the description of the nihilistic void are observations of a state of being around human consciousness. So, Understanding that, you know, the poles and the various difficulties of a conscious experience is important to keep our own void and P-factors at a healthy constant, at a healthy state, healthy way of being. This gets into my embrace of thinking of nihilism more as like this psychological state of being. When when one of my favorite philosophers, no longer had said, nihilism is a constant threat. And for some, I believe the threat is greater. Their P-factor of that nihilistic pull is more profound and mentally strenuous. It's constantly lurking. It's a psychological state that is part of the human condition. It's just there. It's not something followed as as an idea, right? It's an observation of what is the human condition. What are we experiencing? What do we feel? What do we see? The observation of, oh, wait, we lucky fucking humans. We are actually not granted the capacity for certainty. We're only granted the hope for this. As these facts from science, ideas of meaning and understanding of life, are of wonderful—they're of a wonderful importance, major importance of our existence—but in the end, they are built on hope. So what are we left with? As Kurt said, he quotes: "Either keep thinking and risk alienating yourself from society, or stop thinking and risk alienating yourself from reality." quote. And there's a balance in all of this. Questions of how much. Is society creating ripe soil for the strong pull of individuals in our void, their P factor? So, of course, I read this article coming away believing we can help people keep this factor at bay by acknowledging the origins of it, our conscious experience. And then ask ourselves, what are we allowing to influence our consciousness? And I don't mean allowing in the sense of like, oh, it's up to the individual to do it. No, what are we allowing us as, as a society? To be this, like, overwhelming influence on our conscious experience that is providing overwhelming suffering on people. Many influences go into this. You know, do we have a sense of purpose? Where does our meaning come from? These are important. You know, sense of self, tools to utilize when facing our internal suffering and trauma. That stuff, the meaning stuff, is really good with dealing with that. They help us keep us moving forward. Keep looking forward. As I'm a believer in acknowledging those dark places within ourselves, that trauma, it's important for us as a society to have conversations about helping people not be overcome by that inner abyss. And this requires reflection on ourselves from our own experiences and environments and acknowledging the suffering of others. Only then can we begin, even begin to better understand the mental battles of others and be honest about the factors that make them more difficult. So, as we, as we must be honest about the state of our society and the rising concern around mental health. It's not just about our own mental health. It's about, about the health of our society. And the future we wish to build from that. So, I hope that leaves you with something to think about this week. But as always, like I said, I appreciate all your support. Uh, much love. But it's time for you to get the fuck out of my lap right